Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Brought your instruction manuals today. I want to um, go to John 15, and then we'll read from Romans 11. John 15, and then we'll read um, from Romans 11. I want to read John 15, 1 through, um, I think, 8 maybe. Um, I want to read from the Passion Translation. I might read from the New King James and the Passion, but uh, we'll just kind of see where we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me read from the New King James first, just really quickly, at least a few verses, and I'm going to go hit the Passion. This is John 15. This is Christ speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. But you are already clean. I want you to hear this. You are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Because the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And again, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For without me, you can do no thing. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and he's withered. They gather those kind of branches together and they throw them into the fire and they're burned. But if you abide in me and my rhema abide in you, you ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this, Abba is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. Let me read the Passion Translation to you. At least the first seven there. Um, let me just open up my Bible there and do that because I don't want to miss that one verse. Again, this is John 15 in the Passion Translation, which I adore here. I am a true I am the true sprouting vine and the farmer who tends the vine is my father he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and by propping up the fruitless branches and by pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest there's a big translation difference in verse 2 here in verse 2 what I just read verse 2 in the new king james says he takes away Right? If you don't bear fruit, he takes you away. But this one says he actually cares for the branches connected to me by lifting them and propping them up. So that it can yield a greater harvest. Verse 3, the words I've spoken to you over you have already cleansed you. You must remain, watch this, in life, what? Union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined. Somebody say union. Intimately joined to me. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. 
But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he's discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me and my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. And when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my, my mature disciples. Right? You demonstrate that you are my mature disciples whom glorify your Father. Uh, look at Romans 11. I'm, I don't actually think I've ever taught specifically out of Romans 11. This is Paul um, speaking to Rome, but he's giving them a little bit of a history lesson uh, on the nation of Israel. And, you know, Jesus Christ, Scripture at large, um, gives a lot of metaphors about our relationship um, to him and trees and vines um, is just one of the richest ways that, that he would do it. And here Paul uses one. Uh, this is one of those real uh, controversial type scriptures where people have a lot of different thoughts about it. But he's talking about how God, Israel rejected Jesus essentially. And how if Israel rejected Jesus led to Jesus now going to the rest of the world, a.k.a. Gentiles, if the Jews rejecting Jesus, watch this, led to the salvation of the rest of the world because they rejected him. If the Jews or the Israelites rejecting Jesus led to the salvation of the whole world, which was God's plan, what in the world do you think is going to happen when they accept him? If the Jews rejecting Jesus led to the salvation of the whole world or the cosmos, what do you think is going to happen when they actually accept him? <laughs> Which is happening currently as we speak. Listen to what he says. Uh, I have a, uh, a heading in my Bible in verse 11. It says, Israel's rejection is not final. Man. Look at verse 15, Romans eleven fifteen. 15. It says this, for if... Their being cast away is the reconciling of the world. If them casting, if the Israel being cast out because they rejected Jesus is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Watch it now. For if the first fruit is holy, then the what? The lump is also holy. Watch this. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Because a tree can only be what its roots are. You, it's impossible to plant an orange seed and grow a lemon tree. You have to be what the roots say you are. Because roots determine identity. Jesus would go on to say, it is impossible for a bad tree to bear what? Why? Because a battery has to bear bad fruit because that's what the roots say it is. Likewise, it's also impossible for a good tree to bear what? Listen now. Verse 17. And if some of you branches, means some of you Gentiles who are not Jews, if some of you Gentiles who were broken off and you being a wild olive tree, but yet you were grafted in among them, literally God cut out a part of this olive tree and he puts you on it, which by the way is a real thing. You know, you can actually graft other branches into something that they didn't originally grow into. And he says, God grafted you in and literally 
you become a part of it as if you'd always been there. And he says, this is what God did with you. You were a wild olive tree, but you were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root. You now drink from the root just the way the normal branches did. Watch it now. And the fatness of the olive tree is now yours. He says, so don't boast against the branches that were normal Jews. Don't, don't, don't boast against them. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root. But the root supports you. Man. Let me just keep reading. You will say then, but branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. He says, well said, verse 20. But because of unbelief, they were broken off. And now you stand by faith. Don't be haughty, but live in reverence. For if God did not spare the natural branches, the Jews, he may not spare you either. Watch Paul's language now. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity. But toward you, it was all goodness. And if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also might be cut off. Watch this. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Hold up. Once I get cut off, I can still get back grafted in. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted in contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? <laughs> Man, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that the blindness in part which happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And so all Israel, don't make no mistake, they will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Wow. Man, man, man. Father, let your word speak life to us today in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you about, watch this, it's a mystery, union today. I want to talk to you about union today. I want to talk to you about union today. Jesus was a master teacher. He understood the importance of correctly communicating the gospel to his audience. He understood that where he lived, people were accustomed to seeing vines and vineyards and grapes and really all kind of plants and fruits, but he understood that. And he thought, what is the best way I can communicate my kingdom to them and the life that I came to give them? And he talked a lot about union. While teaching them, he said this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Right, remember? Passion translation. He says, I am the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, New King James, he takes away. Every branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. I remember just growing up in church a lot of times, and verses like that made me very fearful. I was very fearful of God because I thought, if I don't do it right, and if I don't bear the right fruit, what is God going to do to me? He's going, what? Take me away. And boy, we were really good at making people understand this truth. God's going to come and take you away. Other words, he's going to take you out. I mean, how can, you, how can you get away from God who's omnipresent? 
How can you fight back at God? And so in order so that we wouldn't be taken away or taken out, it created this performance mentality in us where I better always get it right. I got to bear fruit. And the only way I know to bear fruit is through my own performance. It's through me being righteous based off me always obeying the rules. But, but realistically, who in the room has always gotten it right? Who in the room has always been perfectly righteous based off your own good deeds? You know what Isaiah said 800 years before Jesus? He said, all, if you compile all of our righteousness together, every man, woman, boy, girl, eternally past, present, and future, if you compile it all together, he says, you know what you're left with? He said, your righteousness altogether is as what? A filthy rags. And by the way, let me tell you, there's two theologians believe there's two things that that would have meant. One was the rag of a lady on her menstrual side. He said, that's what your righteousness is like. The second one, you know what the second one was? When a man went to war and he got wounded with a sword, they would wrap up his arm or his body part in that rag and they would let all the infection and all the blood and all the ooze get in that rag. And when they took it away, they threw it away in a pile. He says, that's what your righteousness is like when you try to be righteous before Yahweh based off your own lifestyle. It's like filthy rags. So we, we are here trying to never miss it. And if we miss it, oh, oh my God, he's going to come and take me away. And so what we did is we perfected altar calls. And every week we did altar calls. And we had the same people get born again 37 times in a year. As if you could get unborn again. Which doesn't exist in the Bible either. Shepherd can never be unborn once he, because he has been born. My son, Honor, and Sailor, they can never be unborn once they've been born. And we taught people, Pastor Mark, we taught people that you could lose salvation. And based off the way we taught it, you actually can. You can, listen, I can't keep up with my car keys. So you think I can keep my salvation? We missed it. God, in his wisdom, did not make his covenant with us. Listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. Hebrew says, <laughs> when he could swear by none greater, he swore by himself, don't miss this, and to himself. God made a promise with humanity, but not just any person on the planet. He really made a covenant with himself in the body of a man as his son. Because he knew you and I couldn't keep it. And so I was so afraid that I was going to miss it because I knew I was eventually. Either it was going to be traffic. It was going to be an argument with my spouse. It was going to be something happened at work. It was going to be through me lusting. It was going to be through me not been keeping one of those 613 commandments, which ended up being over 11 or 1,200 because the Jews were very good at adding on. 
and he knew eventually we would miss it, and oh man, I would fall in union, then I'd fall out of union. I'd fall in union, and I would fall out of union. And a lot of us have this mindset about God, you know, it's the rose petal analogy where some days he loves me, and some days he loves me not, and some days he loves me, and some days he loves me not. And I hope I'll wake up on the right side of God's bed today because he's going to come and take me away. Oh, King James and your horrible translators. And they thought, certainly God cannot be as good as these early church fathers recorded him to be. Certainly he can't be that good. So let's just make the passage make sense to us as human beings. So what, are we going, what do you want us to put, King James? Put in there that he'll come and he'll take us away if we don't bear fruit. Because that seems logical, doesn't it? But the, if the good news is not too good to be true, then it's really not good news. And so it created a performer in me. And now you ask people that are having a bad day. How you doing? Brother, bless the Lord, brother. He's good to me. You, have to say, you don't be afraid of I'm having a bad day. We even perverted the word of faith movement. People walking around sick. <coughs> I'm not sick, brother. I'm good. <coughs> no, you're fake. Acknowledging the facts does not diminish faith. And so he created something in us. We were so afraid that he's going to come and take us away. But do you actually know what take, take away? Like, like look, I, man, I, I love, but thank God for the Blue Letter Bible app. I will look that thing up. To take away literally means this. It means he would go to that vine and he would see it hanging off. It, it would fall off the trellis. It would fall onto the ground, which made it more accessible to bugs and dirt. And he would take it and he would literally wash the dirt off of the, off of the vine and off of the grapes that it was trying to produce. And he would pick it back up and he would set it back on the trellis. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And so to take away literally means he would take it away or off of the ground and set it back up on the trellis where it was meant to produce fruit. So the taking away literally means this. It's Abba lifting us up. Jesus said, I'm the vine. Do you think the father's going to come and cut off of me? It doesn't even make sense. But what the Father is going to do, because I'm divine, every branch connected to me, which is you and I in this room, when we fall, he doesn't come and say, Alyssa, you've missed, that's three times that you missed it, you're done. Now that sounds a lot like the American Jesus. But I mean the biblical Jesus. Because there's a lot of vines, but there's only one true vine. You know, you know why he said that to Jews? He said, oh, I'm the true vine. Let me tell you something. Moses hitting the true vine. I'm the true vine. Father Abraham hitting the true vine. I'm the true vine. The law you received on Mount Sinai in the true vine. I'm the true vine. What was the vine? What you got your source from. There are vines in this room, but I'm telling you, many of us are connected to some anti-true, the true vine. A lot of us think we are sourced out of our job. So we find identity in it. It's quiet up in here right now. It was really good when I was talking about picking me up. A lot of us, we feel like we draw our source from just family members or relationships. Hmm? A lot of us feel like we, we find our source in how people view us. Right? My reputation. Well, I can't do this because what if there are many vines, but Jesus says, I'm the true vine. And the one that tends me 
He's the good father. He's the real vine dresser. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Let me ask you something, realistically. Like, like where do you draw your source from? Where does your self-esteem come from? Are you up and down emotionally based off what's happening at the job or what's happening with my family or what's happening? I, I didn't say life doesn't happen, but I mean, a lot of us consistently are like this. Come on, every once in a while, life happens to you and days are bad. But I mean, when we're consistently like this, what does it say about how we view Abba? What does it say about our vine? That just shows us that the vine that we're connected to, the vines are like this. But Jesus said, no, I'm the true vine. The reason it's important to understand who you are in union with is because what flows from the root through the vine is what flows into the branch. Now, look at the life of Jesus and ask yourself, what flowed through him? John 17 and 3, Jesus says, by the way, everybody wants eternal life. You ready? You want eternal life? Most of us were taught that eternal life is when we leave this world and we go to some place called heaven. I, I'm not even going to mess with that a little bit, but I, I will in the future, so keep coming. I just love busting people's bubbles, boy. Like, it's just like truth. This, this past week, I've been able to go to two different places, and I just said, thank you, Lord, for where I'm planted at. Like, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You want, to know what, you, know what, you want to know what Jesus says eternal life is? Are you ready for it? John 17 and 3. And this is eternal life. That, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. The life of God, Zoe, was, <laughs> it was flowing in Jesus all the time. All the time. Jesus had peace in storms. Jesus had peace pretty much all the time. Why? Because it wasn't, he wasn't sourced in something that was temperamental. He wasn't sourced in something that was shifting. We used to sing a song. We sing it sometimes. My hope is built on nothing less, what, than Jesus Christ. And his righteousness. And I dare not trust. Sweetest of friends. But I wholly lean. On Jesus name. On Christ. The what? Solid rock I what? Why? My money ain't sinking sand. Yes it is. You know what? COVID proved that. Well, My stocks aren't sinking sand. My 401k ain't sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. That's why we better know that we are in life giving union with Jesus and live as if we believe that to be true. Come on, man. Live as if we believe the gospel is true. I'm in union with Jesus. He's divine. I'm the branch. The Father is the vine dresser. God is not a cosmic abuser of children. Some of us view God as if he's a renadad. He loves me. He loves me not. You better catch him on the good day. You're a good, good father. Until I sin. Until I sin. 
Until I sin, sometimes I'm loved by you. Until I sin, until I sin, until I sin. But no, he's perfect in all of his ways. Listen to what John the Apostle would write down in 1 John before he left the planet. This is what he pinned down. This is the oldest amongst the disciples of Jesus. He lived longer than any other disciple of Jesus. He was a sage of wisdom. This is the one that laid his head on the breast and the bosom of Jesus. This is what John said. This is his last going out message about who Yahweh is. He said, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That's the message. He's a good father who knows how to take care of every branch connected to the son. So what does God do to those who understand they have a union with him? He's not coming to take you away. He said, oh, I'm coming to lift you up into this union. Because watch this. Even when I fail, my union stays strong. Listen, even when I fail, my union stays strong. Verse 4, you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with me, with you. For as a branch cannot, a branch that is severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so you will be fruitless unless your life is intimately joined to me. Now, the strength of that verse is not from me to him. The strength of that verse is what he's done from himself to me. The weight of the verse is really on his end. I put myself in union with you. Now watch this. Live as if this is true. There, listen, how many people on the planet right now are there existing, watch this, that God doesn't love? The truth is there's nobody he doesn't love. Is that a truth? Would you agree? Now how many people live life though as if God doesn't love them? So there are some things that are scripturally true but that does not mean that they live out and experience in everybody's life. I come to tell you, what you don't know will kill you, can do detriment to you. That's why truth is important. So you can be in union with God and you don't know it because you think, well, you got to dot every I and cross every T. And if I miss it, I fall out. By the way, what branch can cut themselves off from a vine? <laughs> I missed it, Lord. You don't even got to do it. I, I watch it. Watch I choose withering today, Lord. Just go ahead and make me one of them branch. Throw me in the throw me in the dry branch, pal, Lord. It's crazy how we live. He says, "Abide in me, and I in you." That's the hard part, right there. Jesus started his ministry saying this to disciples. He would say, "Cameron, you come follow me." Most theologians believe this is the last day he spent with his disciples before he's getting ready to go to the cross. This passage right here. He started with saying, come follow me. But he ends his ministry saying this. Now just abide in me. How hard is it to abide? Abide in me. Minnow me. It's minnow in the Greek. Minnow in me. Rest in me. Dwell in me. Why'd he say that? Because there's going to be a lot of stuff vying for your attention, making you think differently than what I've been teaching you the last three and a half years. Learn to abide in me. Because I'm the vine and you're the branches. So can we not say that through union, if peace flowed through him, 
remember, when it comes from the vine to the branch, it doesn't change. The sap doesn't change. So we don't have a piece similar to Jesus's. Jesus says, my peace give I unto you. So do we have a peace similar to Jesus's or do we have the peace of Jesus? Do we have a righteousness that is similar to Jesus's or do we have the righteousness of Jesus? We have the righteousness of Jesus. What? You ready for this one? Do I have a love similar to Jesus's for other people? Or do I have the love of Jesus? I have the same love. What if that's actually true? I got good news for you. Everything that God ever intended you to do on the planet, everything you need to do it is already on the inside of you. You don't got to go outside of you to get it. I want to tell you, you got to learn to look inward and say, Lord, the same sap that flowed through you, the, 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 the vine, I know it's flowing through me because I'm the branch. Show me how to operate out of this piece. It's what my wife taught several weeks ago. The fruit of the Spirit, the same stuff that is in Jesus is actually on the inside of us. Not one day, but I'm telling you right now, but the way we access stuff is we have to learn to abide. Whoa. Because the branch can't bear this kind of fruit unless it abides. And he says, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, he's talking to men that their whole life, they've been trained and taught how to live up under the law. And he's telling them, guys, you're going to have to learn to live in the way that I'm telling you. You've got to abide and learn to live in this kind of truth. Watch this. If you don't abide in me, you're cast out. Watch this. I'm not even casting you out. Your own way of thinking casts you out. Your own way of thinking casts you out, and then you wither. But if you abide in me, and my word, my rhema abides in you, then you ask what you want, and it'll be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. I want you to see this. If the Father gets glory out of us bearing much fruit, and if the Father is the vine dresser, the guy who takes care of the vineyard, don't you know if he gets glory out of bearing fruit? And if we are vines and we're meant to bear fruit, don't you know he's going to give you everything needed to bear fruit? If his desire is fruit, do you think he's going to keep stuff from you? I'm going to see if you can do it without it. He knows you're going to need peace in life. He says, guess what, friend? The peace that you need is in the vine. But what's in the vine is flowing through you. You already got it. I know you're going to need some joy. So guess what? The joy you need is really in the vine. And the joy of the vine is flowing through you. You already got it. By the way, you should know I'm glorified that you bear much fruit. And I'm going to do everything needed for you to bear fruit. Because that's what brings me glory. Don't overcomplicate the relationship. Did you hear what I just said? Don't overcomplicate the relationship. Let's look at Romans 11 and walk through there for a little bit. He says in verse 16... If the first fruit is holy, then the lump is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. How many would, by show of hands, would consider Jesus pretty holy? Come on, show of hands. Y'all like, not a trick question. All two of you. Thank you. God bless you. How many would consider yourself holy? Yeah. Well, if you didn't, it's because well, you, you're thinking how you live determines if not, whether or not you're holy. That's called performance. 
The truth is the gospel is true regardless of how you live. You're holy whether you believe it or not. But when you do believe it, you see holiness manifest. How many believe that the scripture says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Now watch this. But how many people actually believe they're righteous? (laughs) Because church in America has taught us you are it when your life perfectly, perfectly lines up to it. Jesus had men that lived with him for three and a half years and they were still cussing each other out. I heard one guy say, he said, you know why Peter cussed so much? He said, because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. Now, I can't, I can't tell you whether that's historically or biblically accurate. I just know that it's in the Bible that Jesus healed his mother-in-law and Peter just gets upset and goes, but I was almost free, and you healed her. I know I shouldn't have brought you to my house. Why'd you do that for her? He had a guy supposed to be walking in perfect peace, pulled out a sword and cut a man's ear off. Peace of God passes all understanding. Bring it on. (laughs) These are men that walk with Jesus. He had men who laid beside him rode on boats with him, climbed climbed mountains with him, watched him raise the dead, watched him multiply fish and bread. They watched him pray to Abba. These men literally watched him empty cities as people would try to find him while he was in solitary. These are those men. Watched him love the worst of the worst. And when he goes to one town, the people didn't receive him. And two of his disciples, the mafia of his day, said, Lord, do you want us to call on fire? We'll burn them all up. And he's like, what are you talking about? That is in the Bible. Let's have a s'mores right here. Let's just burn them up, Jesus. The disciples of Jesus, branches of the Lord. But I'm telling you, if the root is holy, so are the branches. Do you know who Paul is writing to? Romans. Romans. But Rome, don't look at your own life. Rome, you look at the root. Romans. He said, don't you know that when you and I got grafted in. Come on back to the stage for me. Taylor, play for me. He said, don't you know that when you got grafted in, you became a partaker of everything the root had to offer. And the fatness that flowed through it is now yours. It would be a travesty for you and I to live up under a bridge and have a cup out every day begging for money to buy a hamburger if you knew that your father was a king. And I'm telling you, I see Christians begging for stuff all the time that they don't even know is already theirs by way of inheritance. He said, if the root is holy, then guess what? The whole tree is holy. Man. I think that the further I go in the gospel and I learn what's already been done, it makes me, I'm doing more out of rest than I ever did out of performance. And you know, the hardest thing for me right now in my life, probably literally the hardest thing, is I'm learning to rest in what Jesus has done. 
and believe it. I always want to go and do something, man. I got to do it for myself, Peter. I got to go get breakthrough. He says, no rest. Got to intercede and lean in. He says, no rest. See, it's not called the to be continued work of the cross. It's called the finished work of the cross. It's not called there's going to come a sequel to the cross. No, this is called the finished work of the cross. Let me give you a mind-blowing statement. See, we are all sons in the Son. We start in our walk with Jesus where He finished. Selah. Pause, comment, think about what you just heard. We start at the finish work. And it's finished. Jesus didn't come to justify sin. He came to justify the sinner. He came to finish everything that was stopping us. And for these guys, it was that religious performance. And so he would hammer out union. Live, abide in life union with me. Because they were used to missing it. They were used to missing it. But Jesus came to show them what life union was about. He came to show them what life union was about. Jesus Christ shows us a God who set aside powers beyond our imagination to humbly become the animate creature that he made from clay in order to serve the human family face to face, showing us how to get on our knees and how to wash our feet by way of union. The Son of God tells us that the Father sent him into the world because the Father loved the world, not to condemn the world. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you're still trying to work for something, you haven't heard the gospel. If you think that not eating a certain kind of food makes you righteous, you haven't heard the gospel. Not eating a cheeseburger. If you think righteousness comes from that, you haven't understood faith righteousness. Come on. Come on. If you think you always, always got to do more, especially in environments like this, you haven't understood faith-based righteousness. I'm telling you, Jesus took a beating so you would never, ever have to take one again. Jesus abstained so you wouldn't have to do that again and think, I'm righteous now because I abstained from certain things. It's the gospel of Jesus, man. You don't have to ever try to die to your flesh again. You know why? Because he died as you in your flesh for you. So you don't got to try to die a better death than what's already been dealt for you. You're not dirty and distant. He told the disciples here, he said, and, and this is before Peter denied him. He said, the word that I spoke to you has already cleansed you. What? But my denial of you is in my future. Yeah, but my word that I'm speaking to you has already cleansed you. And he was trying to put at rest everything in him that made him want to perform. Come on, stand to your feet with me today.
feel like I had a very simple word today. Here's the word. Quit resting on your works and start resting on the finished work. Quit resting in your work and start trusting in the finished work. I bore all of your sins. I bore all of your mistakes. I bore all of your mishaps. I took upon my body and in myself every time you would ever miss it. Not only for you, but for every person, past, present, and future. I bore it all. I united myself with you in every capacity. Mind, thoughts, emotions, physically, mentally, spiritually. I became everything that you were for the good, the bad, and the ugly. In every capacity, I bore it all. I united myself to you. So that by way of union, you could find yourself united to me. Now rest in what I've done for you. Rest in what I've done for you. I want to give this call today. If you're in this room today and you don't understand the beauty of Jesus dying on a cross and raising from the dead in three days, you believing that is called this. It's called receiving the life of Christ. If you haven't received the life of Christ, man, I want to give you an opportunity to just receive that life today. You know what you got to do to do that? Simply do this. Lord, I receive your life. Just receive the life of Christ. Because the reality is he's already received you. But the power of that is released in you when you receive it. So if you haven't received the life of Christ today, I want you to do that with me. If you need to receive the life of Christ, I just want you to lift your hands. And receive the life of Jesus right now. Come on, just receive his life. You feel him just brewing over you. You feel him hovering over you. You might can feel him just moving on the inside of your heart right now. That's the life of Jesus. That's the life of Jesus. Come on, one time, sweetheart. Just sing. Let's sing that he's good. Yeah. Yeah. Sin's getting crushed now. good. Never. Never. I don't care if you walk out of this building and sin. Guess what? He's never. If you royally miss it, he's never. My kids will know this truth that he's never. Never turn his back on you, never. He'll never hide his face from you, never. He'll never not give you his all, never. And do you know why? Because he is. You are This is the gospel of Jesus. God so loved the whole cosmos that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever would put their trust in him they would never perish but they could have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the cosmos to condemn it but he sent Yahshua to the cosmos that it might be saved and this is eternal life that they would believe on you the one true God and on your son Yeshua, whom you have seen. Father, right now, I just release the peace of God to every individual on the sound of my voice. And I remind them of the life-giving union that was established through the life of your son. And that union can never be broken. I encourage that truth in them today. But I do pray for the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit that when we miss it, when we do make choices that are not in line with you, you would as you always do, gently lead us back into the way of truth, God. I thank you that this is a reality and that this is the gospel that you're established through Jesus. And for that, I give you thanks today. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.